Welcome to Michigan Hockey Cast 5.9, where yet another terrible streak died on Saturday. It has happened. The streak is over. 22 years. Michigan has won in Columbus. How much bigger is this than last year? Uh, from whose perspective? Yours. I'm interviewing you right now. Well, I think on the on the Ohio State side, it's it's a ton bigger. I think on the Michigan side, uh, probably a little less than last year. But is it part of a gorilla that you get off your back of just like, look, this has been sort of a stigma that you can't get over, that you can't get around, that this is an obstacle that like, okay, we beat them last year. The last couple times we beat them, it's always been at home. It's felt that way to me. I think that last year is hard to parallel just overall. Like I think the only thing that could parallel last year's victory over Ohio State is like winning a national title this year. Okay. Just because it you you have such a long drought, you have such a sort of collective like, you know, yes, we finally did it sort of thing. Yeah. Um this year is really cool, but and and it is a lot of fun to continue to sort of revel in it and everything else. But the first time that you do it after such a long time was always going to be the the most satisfactory. But this is the first time where you've done it on the road since basically you've been alive, right? But I I don't know how. Again, and it, doesn't it kind of validate last year in the sense sure, of like yeah. it wasn't I mean, fluky? Yeah, I mean I think it's I think it's right there with with last year, but just a little bit behind from from I think Michigan's perspective in my mind. But yeah, at least that's how I feel. About well, there it. it it's not going to have, have the same like emotional cachet. I mean, you remember? I mean, they still have like the clips of like the the students pouring onto the field. Yeah, and it and was it's at just home and it, you know everything else. Pure euphoria, you know. Yeah, this was like different. It was a different sort of excitement and a different sort of like I can't believe this happened. This is amazing. I mean, you can kind of believe it because now you watch this team in the last two years and you're like. Okay, they're really good. But to finally eclipse that mark is, like, a really big deal. And that's the interesting thing, like you said that, is, like, you know, college football is sort of a, a sport in, in and of itself where you don't – it's not like that in anything else. Because there are too many games. Too many games. There's too much variance. Everybody beats most everybody else at some point in the NFL, in – obviously in, like, the NHL and NBA and most professional sports. Maybe – Maybe the NFL is a little bit different, but even then, like, you know, it's it's a big deal when a team wins four or five in a row against another team, like even in division, right? Yeah. I mean, now winning divisions are different or, you know, making certain parts of the playoffs, but I mean, it's not like, it, I mean, if, if the Lions went 10 years without beating the Packers, like that would be like 20 games. Yeah. I mean, it would be a big deal, but still it's not parallel to what right. college football really is. It's, it's its own thing. So was your, was your like weekend different like was it was it like uh i don't know it's just i've just i I haven't been able to stop smiling in three days uh or have you moved on well i moved on to cheering for usc over utah on friday (laughs) night (laughs) you're good because for me that finishes the equation if if, the victory gets so much sweeter if ohio state doesn't make the playoff for me for you yeah because you knock them out of that that ohio state that's their whole thing Hmm. beating michigan but also winning a national title and if they're in the playoff they've still got that on the table they've still got the chance that they could this could be the thing that makes them figure it out and they win the national title that's true and if that happens then how great was the year really if they win the national title well, right so that's yeah. kind of my thing if usc puts the final nail in the coffin and you know 
sends them off to the Rose Bowl again, then it's like, yeah. I think it's great that like Michigan and Ohio State are at the point now where they're disappointed by going to the Rose Bowl. That's a weird thing. And Michigan hasn't even been there in Imagine saying years. that in 1975. <laughs> well, imagine explaining a lot of things in 1975. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to hockey where Michigan took on the Michigan of the East as we have claimed that title by winning and tying and getting, I don't know, more hockey points than they got, right? Because in like a series, Michigan would get, what, three and Harvard would get one in this the NHL model. E- well, in the NHL model, no, it would go Harvard to Harvard the- would get two, and Michigan would get one, right? Because Harvard won the shootout on Friday. Right? Yeah, but that didn't count. Well, we're talking about the NHL, and it right, counts. Right, I know. So it was a bad analogy. <laughs> okay. In soccer, where there are ties. Yeah, I don't know anything about soccer. <laughs> You've not been watching the World Cup? Not really. Okay. Well, there's too many other more important things on. I understand that. I get that. Okay. So the first note in Game 1 on Friday is Eric Portillo does not start, and not because he's sick. Was this surprising to you? Uh, well, I was shocked that it was because he was grounded, but... <laughs> it, did they, like, they couldn't get him out of his room? <laughs> like, Ward had put him in his dorm, and, like, they did, they lost the key? Is that what happened? <laughs> he, made a, he made a Snapchat profile without his parents' permission, so he had to have his phone taken away for the weekend. <laughs> that, is, that is a very Alex <laughs> description of something that... Anyway, so Noah West plays, and it is pretty clear that it his, is a... His father's on Twitter. He's like who? My, Portillo's father. Oh, really? Yeah, Portillo, yeah he would probably know. Do you, do you, did you think he listens? Uh, I don't think he... I mean, I don't know how much he speaks English. <laughs> but he can read English? I mean, he probably does decent. I mean, Swedish is a very similar language to English. So okay. I don't think it's... So, I was not like... Okay, I was a little surprised because... I mean, I still, regardless of how he played last week, I think Portillo's the better goalie. But I wasn't surprised because, like, this is when you take this shot, right? Is like, it's a non-conference matchup, and you have to do it early enough in the season. You can't sit around on this, right? Like, if you think that he didn't pull, that Eric Portillo didn't play particularly well, especially on Friday, then you you ha- you have to like pull the trigger and say, okay, like we're trying to win hockey games. We think that right now you're not pulling your weight, or you didn't. In that particular game, we need you to refocus. Go sit. Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give Noah West a chance. Yeah, I mean it's a common coaching yeah. tactic, right? I mean, you scratch the hit, you know, the hitter that's in the slump or yeah, whatever it may be. Yeah, you give the you know the closer now has to pitch in the sixth inning, etc. <laughs> that's true. That's, <laughs> although now that's becoming sort of what you do, right? Is like you bring your best reliever well, no, in. No, what I mean is you put them eight. in the sixth inning when you're down seventeen to a zero. Okay, and you right? like. Tell him to get some things right. Leverage situation. Yeah. So, and he actually responds really well right away because, um, like, Casey's entering the zone and and just kind of makes like a uh, sort of a like a too skilled attempted play where he's like trying to go in between two or three guys and he gets a puck ripped away from him. They send the rush back the other way, and like I, I wasn't like an odd man, but it was like okay, now you're getting guys into the zone at speed, and they get two point blank shots on Noah West. He makes both saves. Um, that was, I, I mean, I mean that could have gone really poorly <laughs> right away if you give one up in like the first two minutes. Um, and then you know Michigan has a couple chances after that, and and Gibson makes saves, and so we're kind of off and running here. And actually, like 
Michigan starts really well because they get a power play and they're kind of controlling the game for the first few minutes and the shot totals just start going up for Michigan and they only have given up those two shots for a while. And um, like, it's just a really, a really good start against a team that, you know, a nice bounce back effort as like, you know, Fantilli and Hughes are back in after what happened last week. And, um, and then like Michigan actually is able to capitalize and, get the early goal and take the lead because Alex Gaffney goes behind the net and just throws the puck off the boards to no one in particular. And it just kind of sits there behind the net where Dylan Duke grabs it, dishes in front to Adam Fantilli and he scores from point blank range. And it's just basically like a free goal. Well, he's trying to go D to D because he's got his other defender or maybe it's a forward. He, sure. uh, yeah. He's, he's, on he, the, he's on the far side. It's just, Sometimes the bounce, you know, the the no look bank pass off the end boards takes <laughs> a bad habit. It almost looks like you know he looked like he whiffed on it. Well, yeah, I mean, just in in a sense, it, the result was basically like he just dropped it, like he just threw it off the end boards. He didn't angle it, and yeah. it didn't go around. It just kind of was like oh, like you throw a ball against a wall, and it just kind of comes back to you, except you've skated on by. And so Michigan gets that one zero lead, and and. You know, with like, I wrote down with 747 left, you know, shots were 7-2 to two Michigan, and the only shots came on Casey's turnover, and so Michigan's sort of, like, completely controlling this game, and then a shot comes from deep, it almost looked like the guy was sort of fading away, and just shot the puck from the point. Now, there's a lot of guys in front, and so it looks like it just kind of worms his way through and hits the net, but on replay, I was trying to look at it, and it seems like the C's kind of part, and... West just doesn't pick it up, and the shot just comes right down the alleyway and over his shoulder. There's a lot of players around the area, but there really is not a, a, a screen, really. Right. I mean, it looked like there was a sight line. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't it, expecting a shot. It's a. It's kind of a a rather weak wrist shot that just kind of trickles through. It's not a. That's not a great goal. No, that was that was pretty bad. And then pretty soon after that, puck uh, gets shot again along the goal line, where a guy takes a shot from basically what maybe a step inside the goal line and he picks the corner up over his shoulder over West's shoulder short side and high and just under the bar and like that's a really good shot I don't want to take anything away from saying that's a shot but you can't give up those goals right like if you want to stay in net and this is like all right we're bringing in the backup to like re-energize the team and to send a shot across Portello's bow to be like hey we need better from you and then West is in. I mean, that you—that's not a goal you can give up. You can give a, up a, a like a really nice play, and and like I said, it was a good shot, but the angle was impossible. You know, we say this all the time that really good shots can also be saved by good goaltending, right? And that it, right. you know what you might praise for a forward, you can also hit as a negative for a goalie. So that would you would you be inclined to say that both of those goals were on him? Yeah, I mean, close to it at least. Yeah. I, I would agree. So it's it's two to one and sort of, you know, and it's like you could say the move is sort of starting to backfire. But the point to me, it wasn't really about this game like that. That particular move was to basically probably a little bit for the team, but it was more about like resetting Portillo. And if you kind of throw a game away, maybe that's what you need if it takes him to another level. Yeah, you can make that case. So it's two one after the first. Um and Michigan kind of has faded. You know, you get a few minutes into the second period and shots are 15 to 10 Harvard. So, I mean, Michigan's gotten about 
three shots over the course that Harvard's gotten 13. They've kind of turned this game around. They got a couple of goals. Um, and then they get another nice play or, or friendly bounce uh, where Moyle tries to get the puck out of the zone, ends up bringing it back in. It gets turned over. There's a shot from the right point that actually hits Moyle's stick somewhere in the slot area, and it gets tipped out to the side inside the, the far dot on the opposite side to an open uh, Joe Miller who just buries the puck. And I mean, that one West has zero chance on. That was just like a nice friendly bounce. No one's over there. Yeah, that's the part that's a little more kind of like, eh. Is who's not checking this guy? Yeah, there's just no one over on that side to like account for that rebound. I mean, you can see it sort of before the... Uh, you know, shot is taken, if you sort of slow it down and look at it, you can almost make the case that rather than shooting, the point shot should have been a diagonal pass. Just a pass? Yeah, because... <laughs> I mean, that's what it ended up being, yeah. but uh, in a more circuitous route. Yeah, so, th- I mean, that was maybe not the best defense. It's, you know, a side note, I, I actually thought over the course of the weekend and even a lot of that night, maybe this case was standing, the Michigan's defense was actually pretty good as from a general perspective you did not have those glaring really bad turnovers or a lot of giveaways and even Casey's was like it's not you know you'd want him to have dumped that in early on but that was it wasn't in his own zone it wasn't his own blue line and so those were you know on the more forgivable side but anyway so it's three to one and at this point like you're starting to feel uh after last weekend and then a more or less now we're getting run out of our own building and you're pushing halfway through um and then so it's three to one and hughes doesn't get back for a loose puck and coronado beats him to it gets in alone he's on a breakaway and west makes a huge save in fact probably a game saver there because if they score there and it's four to one i mean michigan's probably just deflated because they're halfway through the game they've already given up four and they've shown not a whole lot i mean they've, they've gotten a few chances but their better part of the game comes later where they actually, I think their offense like really kicks it into gear, and you can see them start skating. But at this point, there was still a lot of floundering. Yeah, it was a big save to keep uh, to keep Michigan in it. Yeah. So I wrote down halfway through the second, Michigan has do- been dominated since the Fantilli goal, fifteen to six in shots, three goals. It's just not going well. But then things start to turn, and like one of my notes right after that is like a better stretch for Michigan. You could see them; they they created more chances. They didn't get any great A's, but they started holding the zone a little bit more, and they started like controlling the puck. Now Harvard may have been saying, "Okay, we're starting to play slightly more defensively, and we're not going to push it as much." Um, but you know, Michigan's top line came out for a couple of shifts in a row and really dominated and created some chances. Um, and, you know, Mitchell Gibson, I-, I was impressed with him. Everything that I pretty much saw, I think he had one bad goal on Saturday, but everything else, he was, you know, <laughs> really good as far as I was concerned. No, he played a, he had a great weekend, I thought, overall. Yeah. So then late in the second period, uh, Michigan finally gets one back. And um, this was a lot of just Ethan Edwards making a really nice play. He has the puck at the point and actually gets around the guy, not just skating around him, but then he sort of bodies him and physically moves him and gets into the slot and risks a shot that picks, I wasn't even even a corner, but he picked an open area of the net. And the other great part about that was Philippe Lapointe was the man right in front of the net who basically built a big wall and Gibson saw nothing. And that was what it was going to take probably to get a goal 
against him in this game is at least at this point where they needed to get a good screen and get a goal where you took him out of the play. It's a, it's a, you know, an example of, of Edwards kind of taking the initiative a bit more and, and going on his own and uh, making things happen because Michigan kind of needed a spark in that moment to draw closer by the end of the period and feel like it's it's back within their grasp. Right. And it and it was really good, like I said, for LaPointe, because he's a guy who has sort of been in and out of the lineup with sometimes he's being scratched. He was he didn't play one game where I think he got suspended. There was, um, you know, he was ill for one game. And so he's had an up and down first year just from a playing standpoint and hasn't really popped offensively. But he had a big night tonight, as we'll get to in a couple minutes. But like this was the start of it. And that's one of the things for him that he needs to be able to do is to get to the front of the net, because if he's not contributing scoring all the time, he can contribute around the edge of the net that in a little bit of Duke fashion, but just by taking up space. Yeah, no, it definitely helped uh, on that goal for sure. Um, And then, so at the end of the second period, right before the end of the the period, uh, Gavin Brindley gets a charging penalty. And one of the things we'd noted in the preview was that Harvard special teams are both very good, and especially their power play. And Michigan didn't give them a lot of opportunities. They did in this situation, and it was one of those carryovers. So you get like, you know, 15, 20 seconds in in the second period, and then you come out in the third. And, you know, you basically have, you know, now clean ice to run your power play. And this was kind of a a goofier goal. There was a shot that came from below the dot a little bit wide. And it was, it goes off the boards and comes out. And West is sort of coming out to challenge a shot. So he's not really on his post and he's not like deep in the crease, which is probably where he should be is out challenging the shot. But then Sean per- Farrell is able to get in and beat the defender and, and tap the puck on the rebound into the crease. And it looked like to me that that West got some part of his body on it as he's moving back and kind of kicked it in. Now there was a stick there too. I think Edwards was over there. So there was a number of limbs and accessories that were near the puck. But it's you know, maybe not, it may be a little unlucky, but again, maybe not the best goal from West. He was a little bit clunky. Yeah, I'm not going to put that one too much on him. It's just kind of a bad hop off the end boards. Okay. Um, Did, I mean, is it is it a little bit Edwards or is it just sort of a completely fluky goal all around? I mean, I see that one happen a decent amount where it, it just sort of, again, it's just a, a shot that you know, this happened to Joe Lewis a lot, right? Where those those the boards super just springy end kicked, boards, yeah. and then like you could time it up and get the right angle to have a kick out. Like that's really tough for a goalie to do because it's the same logic for why you know the old Gretzky's office thing was such a sort of going behind the net, right? And that's kind of now refeatured in some power play units. Is that because when the the puck is behind the net, the goalie doesn't know which direction it's going to come from? Yeah, and when you get a, a hop like that off the end boards, the goalie like doesn't have time to you know. His head doesn't turn around 360 degrees to see. <laughs> He's not an owl. Well, yeah, or from the Exorcist. <laughs> see what, where the puck is bouncing from, right? Yeah. And in that situation, it, it you know, there's there's some geometry in hockey, right? Sure. And that's just kind of the bad luck of it. Did, do you think that he played um, the shot well coming out? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a shot from the slot. I mean, you, you well, it's from the side, isn't it? It's the sort of the you know it's between the dots, okay, like yeah, the yeah. kind of middle area. I mean, I, I watching that play, I didn't think there was anything particularly wrong with. Okay, it, it was just there. a all right. Well, that that, I mean, that maybe might... he was a tad slow getting back across. It's just a tough one. Mm-hmm. I think the bummer is more like you know Michigan has turned up the heat at the end of the second. They got the goal. They're yeah. kind of back in it. 
and then we and they haven't given up power plays all game, which is one thing you needed to do in this in this against this team. And then you just kind of let, and then that one goes in, right? It's not like a snipe or something where you're like, well, you know, that happens on a power play or that guy's a good shooter or something like that. It was just sort of this like clunky, bouncy goal that was unfortunate. And now it's four to two and you, you know, you've kind of gotten back into the game. And now you have to sort of start over again. And, and, and Michigan was up for it because I'll tell you what, you know, we'll, we'll preempt the whole thing with third period might've been Michigan's best period that they played all year. Was I mean they ended up with eighteen shots and Harvard you know again yeah the, there's a case that sat back a little bit but I mean I, I don't know what their xG was and, and hockey doesn't do that but my guess is that it was it was high for one period but as they got good chances um, and I mean Lu- I mean right after that Luca Fantilli crashes down and has just an open net back door and just misses it wide I mean that one that. I mean, most times it's probably going to be a goal. He just, it went off his stick or he, he got his yeah, geometry wrong and, you know, missed it wide. But I mean, that was there because Gibson was beaten. He just, he pushed it wide. And then right after that, Drew Skinnies, who, again, another guy who had a really nice weekend with Luca Fantilli at, on the third pair, takes a shot from the point. Is it Drew Skinnies or Drew Skinnies? I thought it was Drew Skinnies. Drew Skinnies? Yeah. Okay. That was my memory. I don't know. It's like I will always say person. We're just going to try to get that one right more often. Well, we've been trying. I mean, do you get person right? Pearson? That one is impossible for me. The I H just call just... him Keaton. <laughs> you guys like, bros? Like Phil Martelli and yeah. Yusuf Kayet, right? You... It's like yo-yo, right? <laughs> you, you just call him Keaton. Is that when you guys go to Panda together? Wow, Brian. Hey, Keaton. Brian has uh... just gone to JTT for, <laughs> right, for Tui Moloel. <laughs> he doesn't even want to try it. <laughs> See, like JTT, you're probably not old enough for that but like that was Jonathan Taylor Thomas so I'm like he's definitely not playing for Ohio State <laughs> and if he was that would be great because I think they'd run over him okay so okay Drew Skinnis Drew Skinnis Drew Skinnis yeah okay thank you god this is like Ace and Brian <laughs> alright Drew Skinnis takes a shot from the point and you remember Josh Bebe? just by the way while we're on this topic the, uh, the wide receiver from Illinois yeah, that's, that's what I always think about with Ace and Brian was that like Ace was the only one on the show who could pronounce him out to our baby? Well, that's because I wasn't on the show at that time. <laughs> so, who's the other one um, that I'll always remember? Chris Fumatu Maafala. Do you remember him? The fullback no. of the Steelers? No. Oh. Wait, again. You're st- All right. Well, maybe when you get older. I remember like Namdi Asamoah. I remember him. Yeah. The corner. Who was really good for a year and yeah. then was, yeah. was taken away by aliens. Yep. Never heard from again. Yeah. Okay. So, Druskinis takes a shot from the point, And again... Our old buddy, Philippe Lapointe, is standing in front and gets his, I believe it was a stick on it, hits him, but he gets a stick on it, redirects it sort of slightly back across the crease uh, to Nolan Moyle, who was able to cut the puck into the net and get Michigan back. You know, and and part of that is like, that's a really nice play. I mean, you like to see that from Druskinis because he's looking like he's going to be on Michigan's third pair now, at least a little bit going forward. And then you get Nolan Moyle, who's like the captain. And, you know, Moyle has been a great fourth liner. They have yet to really have their full team together because of, well, one thing or another. And then even like the Nazar injury and all that. So he's like having to produce more. And, you know, to an extent, when you're the captain on a really young team, you know, you have to shoulder some of the burden. And, you know, that's not his thing, though, is scoring a bunch of goals. His value to the team is other things. But when you're not getting any depth scoring, it's got to start somewhere. 
And so getting a goal from him in this game is, I think, a really big deal. And to get the assist, being not only from Drew Skinnies, but from LaPointe as well, another guy who you'd like to see chip in with a little bit of depth scoring. They, they all contribute to this to get Michigan back in it. And, and it was a play that, like, that's a play that could beat Gibson. Right, like yep. you're not just going to stand there and shoot from 15 or 18 out and beat him all the time, but you get a, a shot that he has to commit to, a knockdown, and a little bit of a redirect pass, and then Moyle uses the angle and slides it in, and like that was a really well worked blue collar goal. So my story about this, okay, is so I was uh, not where I normally watch the games, so I didn't have BTM Plus on the TV, <laughs> and. Do you, so, want, do you want to reveal where you were? No. Um, and so it was on my laptop, right? Were <laughs> you with Namdi Asimov? <laughs> and then in the the intermission between the second and third period, okay. I like put it on mute and go to a different tab because I'm like, I don't want to listen to the intermission, whatever. You, you don't, really? No. Okay. I don't I don't listen to games, generally speaking. Yeah. But um, And then I like just forgot the game was happening <laughs> and then flipped back like five minutes into the third and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I forgot the game is going on. Because that was like... It's a really professional podcast. I know. Is, and I had to like go back and rewatch it. because. And I, but the point is, I flipped back and it had been three to two in intermission and now it's already four to three. And I'm like, I only missed a few minutes. How did they already score two goals? Is, it, is this Michigan from 2016? <laughs> like, will they score five goals in the first two minutes? Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, and, and then, so after that, then Michigan gets a power play, and they've only had one. This is their second one, and their first one was really good. We didn't get into a lot of depth on it because it, it was only one, and, and they didn't score, so it wasn't really that big of a deal. But you remember them looking good at this point in the game, and um, they don't. <laughs> Fantilli actually has a really nice shot, hits the post. That's pretty much everything that they that they did on that power play but it was a real i mean what you're looking at is like okay you're still relatively early in the third period and you have a chance to tie that again after being after already giving up a goal in the period and um so you're you're kind of right there and then they get i I mean they get another couple good chance and then um you know edwards i wrote about in in the breakdown for this game because i thought you know the goal that he made he really created it a lot on his own gets help from the point and then he totally macars the guy in front of him where he has the puck straight away and just dekes him out of his skates and the guy goes flying his skates go flying up in the air and he lands on his butt edwards walks down the slot and shoots and just misses wide and like you know ethan edwards now has as many goals as luke hughes does and Edwards is creating a ton. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, there are a lot of good defensemen that Michigan has offensively. And I don't know that Luke Hughes is the best one, even offensively. There's a case. There is a case. And I don't don't know that that's going to be the case the whole year. But, like, you're starting to see some of these guys really step up. Casey's been silently Casey's been really good, good the, whole year, yeah. the whole year and defensively. And Edwards had a great game. And I mean, you know, as a defenseman, you're not, you're just not going to score every game. Like you're not Adam Fantilli because you don't have the puck. It's not your job, but like they have guys that are contributing and creating. And I mean, your gets the point, you know, Fantilli almost crashes backside and gets a goal. Like you're starting to see the decor kind of round out from a depth perspective. Yeah. This third period is really, you can feel a lot of times during the course of a game, whether a team's going to hold a lead. And as the third period rolls along, it's becoming very clear by the middle portion of the period that Harvard is not going to hold the lead unless well, there is just a truly Herculean effort from the goaltending. I, I wrote in the breakdown that the narrative 
shifted from Gibson Outduels West because, you know, a couple of clunkers for West and Gibson makes those saves, but both teams kind of create a lot of chances as the game goes along, at least through two periods and then into the third. That was the original narrative, and then it shifts to Gibson saves the game for Harvard because Michigan could have, should have potentially won this game even in regulation where, you know, so they tie the game when Brindley picks the puck off the backboards and fires a really nice pass out to Philippe LaPointe. Again, he steadies himself, takes a shot, hits a corner, and it's 4-4. to Well, this goal is Rutgers' goal because he's the one that comes in and it goes against the wall and he trucks the Harvard defenseman Mm -hmm. and pushes it along the boards to Brindley, who then makes the pass. But that's winning a puck battle. Right. And that's kind of what gets it going. And you have the two guys that really, you know, pre- you know, make the goal happen, and then it gets put in by LaPointe. But it's, it's you know, two freshmen and uh, starting to define their footing a little bit more. And those are guys we've talked about needing to come online a little bit more here in the uh, as the season rolls along. Well, he also had another really nice play where he is back-checking coming out of the offensive zone stick lifts a guy rips it at the blue line spins back in and gets a really good shot it was saved by gibson and we didn't mention it earlier mostly because of that but i mean when we're talking about things to take away from you know the weekend and from the game is like brinley and rutger had great games yep and that's sort of i mean edwards and lapointe to an extent steal the show because they get the scoring points and that's you know we've been talking about depth scoring and you know you you knew those guys were going to kind of pop at some point because you know Rutger is a first round pick Brindley's on the verge of being he's going to be a relatively high draft choice you know at least in rounds whereas you know LaPointe is a junior and um you know Edwards has already been picked and you're kind of like waiting for them to take their next step and so when they get on the scoreboard it's it's a big deal and you're just kind of waiting for those freshmen, like you said, to pop. And that definitely started happening on Friday. Yep. And I think it carried through the weekend. I think Michigan, you know, played well on Saturday, too. We didn't see quite as much of that, but we'll get to that in a second. So you said, you know, you credit Rutgers for that. Very good. Brindley, LaPointe, all guys that are not on the top line that contribute to Michigan's getting back in the game. It's not like Fantilli is puts on his cape and, like, rescues Michigan again. It is the rest of the team saying, all right. This is where we step up and get back in. And then, like, there's, I wrote, just an avalanche of chances for Michigan because, it, you know, with a few minutes left, like, it looked like they had four or five really good goal scoring chances. And I said that Gibson went full Hoshik because he is flopping around the crease, making saves, getting in position. The defense for Harvard is kind of spinning. They're, they're just sort of puck chasing and can't really hold their shape. And Gibson just completely saves the game. And then with about... I think it was about three or four seconds left. Michigan gets one last rush. The crowd is just screaming, and the puck just gets centered from, I can't remember if it was Mac or, or Mackie or Duke, but gets it in front, and Fantilli is right there on the doorstep with three seconds left unchecked and has, I mean, this is the winner. I mean, if this goes in, like, we all don't hear for the rest of our lives because, like, Yost is just building to this point, and, and Gibson saves it, and you're just like, ah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, like, Gibson, that would have been it. He went wild in yeah. this uh, third period. And then even in overtime. So, like, it's three on three, and you play the whole possession thing, and Michigan still doesn't know really how to do that, and they go offside, and then 
like don't win a faceoff after that. The puck goes in the zone, um, and Coronado somehow gets alone in front of West, and the game is over. Like he has the puck almost like a shootout, except he doesn't just have one shot. He has as many as he needs because no one is really around him. So somebody's fallen asleep, which happens in three on three, and he deeks him once and then shoots and flips it and it's like well that's in the net but it isn't because he he somehow skies it from like two feet out which i like that's hard to do (laughs) i mean just to get the puck up at that angle yeah the whole overtime it was you know it was one of those things where you really wanted michigan to score just because it felt like they should have won it in regulation but at the same time i was also sort of like you know if we get a tie out of this it's also not the worst scenario because we didn't get good goaltending early on and we, you know, spotted yeah. some goals. So I was kind of, you know, hoping for the win, but I, I was more okay with the tie than you would think in a game where there was a, such a push at the end. I've never written so positively in a breakdown about a game that Michigan didn't win. Yep. Because they completely changed the narrative of the game and you saw all these guys come to life and you thought at the end of that game, Michigan's a better team than Harvard. Yep. Now, we spotted him a couple because our backup goalie let in a couple of doozies. They got lucky on sort of the end, the bounce off the end boards, and it was just a little crazy scenario. But Michigan outplayed them for the second half of the game by a wide margin. And if you look at the analytics, it's like the course he's like 84 to 40 something, which my guess is a lot of that is in the third period. Like, yeah, they, there was score effects going on there, no question. But. But even after it got tied, you know, Michigan it just was, kept yeah. attacking. Harvard was not winning that game in regulation. No. Maybe in overtime, which, you know, Coronado, of all the people on the team, you don't want to have that chance. It's probably him. He doesn't get he doesn't get it done. Now they get a power play, and they get a lot of chances because it's a four-on-three, and that's how four-on-threes work. But Michigan plays that really well. I thought I watched all, you know, two minutes of that of you're sitting there and taking notes and looking and waiting for the breakdown. It didn't happen. They rotated really well. They were hedging at times. They, they stayed home at times. When the puck went different places, it was... As good a kill as I've seen Michigan have this year when there was more or less no hope of getting the puck out of the zone. I mean, like if you win the puck over, you dump it out, but you don't really stop an entry on a four on three. You just kind of hope to hold your triangle and to, you know, switch at the right times. No, I mean, I've always been a big believer in four on three power plays being the most dangerous yeah. of all. And, yeah. you know, to get through that was was big. Because you can't have a three on two power play. Because I think <laughs> in five, eight, five on three, sometimes that extra guy mucks it down a little bit because there's one well extra it changes option. the angle there's one more extra option to pass two and it can kind of clog it a little bit which is a little bit the argument for putting a guy behind the net in a five on three yep is it yep. keeps the spacing right yeah but michigan yeah, I, I think that in a five on three the best way to do it is to have four in like a trapezoid shape and then one behind the net yeah um because I, I one of my favorite plays on that into five on three is the pass from below the goal line to a guy skating downhill mm. and who can wind up and one time it with all the momentum coming yep. downhill. And yep. it allows you to do that. So then as this penalty is expiring, uh, it was Brindley coming out of the box and they hit him on a stretch pass with like, you know, I don't know, seconds remaining. And you're yep. like, again, now we're at the Fantilli point, right? And yep. it's a breakaway. He scores and he skates through the wall. It explodes and Yost incinerates and everything is just like one ball of fireworks. And, of course, Gibson makes another great play, beats him to the post, gets over there and saves it. And you're just like, you know, and it's, you know, 4-4 tie. And then they go to a shootout because, as, you know, the announcer said, like, what what is it? Like, both teams have elected to... 
end this game in a shootout and everyone's like, yeah. And like, it's like, well, I guess we just elect how we do this now at the end of every game. And yeah, you know, that's fine. Like I, I was glad. And, and, um, I don't even remember who won the shootout. I think Michigan lost the shootout. Harvard won the shootout. Yeah, Harvard won the shootout. But it didn't. I mean, it was a the what they got was to jump on their goalie because from pairwise and NCAA purposes, it was a tie. There was. Uh, let me pull this up. There was. There's a fellow named uh, Alton on Twitter. Yeah, who, he comments on our stuff. Yeah, he's the guy that like knows the rule book. Um, they changed the rule this year, and all ties are followed by shootouts, even in non-conference games. Okay. Because uh, people were, were announcing it as that it was non-mandatory and the coaches elected to end the game in a shootout. You mean like I just did? Correct. <laughs> but that's why I wanted to bring it up. Okay. For whatever reason, shootouts are simply recorded as ties by the NCAA. This shootout result will only be known to people who dig into NCAA play-by-plays. Okay. It brings up some questions, but anyway, the shootout A was required and B was meaningless. So they had to do it. Correct, but, but it, didn't, it didn't mean anything. Correct, so but it wasn't elected. I guess that there is now a thing in the ends. And, so and and I haven't looked that up, but Alton is like right on the money. Yeah, about a lot of yeah. that was like bizarre. No, he has good takes thing, and things. Well, that's yeah. just like knowing these <laughs> like strange between the rules changes things that that I don't keep up with as much. So basically, the NCAA is now regulating fun, where you have to do this because well, it's everyone man, it's will mandating laugh. fun. Yeah, well, whatever, same thing. You're telling mandatory, people mandatory fun. We're all weird L album. I don't know. That's that's your that's your area of expertise. It was a weird L album. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> so maybe 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 he's the one that decided on this. So, um, so a tie, like you said, but you start to look at you piece this game together, and you think, well, Michigan played their backup goalie. He gave up a couple of clunkers, and then they rallied from it and used a bunch of depth scoring and probably should have won it in overtime. I'm sorry, should have won it in regulation and could have won it in overtime. So you leave that thinking, wow, if any of this carries over to the next night, they're, they might smoke them. Yeah. Which, speaking of smoking, you and I were happy from all of the we were, smoking we were not, that we happened. We were not smoking. We were not smoking. We were delirious from a football win and watched, uh, I think I got back and no, we, saw, we watched the third period. We watched the third period. So... so we took some notes and went back and looked at a couple things. Um, Portillo starts in game two. Michigan wins four to one. Spoiler oh. alert. Um, Portillo starts, plays really well. A couple people who were there said that it may be his best game of the season. Uh, it sounded like it. From what we saw, he looked really good. Um, they get a goal very early from Estapa. Hello, depth scoring. I think only his second of the year. I don't even know if I can remember his first one. Probably in that game they scored like 100 against BU. But Might have been. Um, so he scores a couple minutes in, and then Mackey adds another one late in the first um, from Fantilli and Duke, because they all ride together. So it's 2 nothing pretty early. Um, I, I remember on, on Twitter we were driving back, and I and The Estapa like, goal was a nice little pass from Granowitz through the crease. Oh, uh, yeah, it was Granowitz and Luca, yeah. right? Yeah. So they each... So you're really... We're getting the deep cuts on yeah. getting on the uh, board. One thing to note from the Friday game that we didn't mention. Okay. Uh, the Driskinis... Uh, shot from the point on the Moyle goal was yeah. his first uh, NCAA point. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has he's played what like four, four games. So. Well, the funny thing about the Saturday one is the first goal is kind of a you know uh, a surprising combination of players <laughs> being involved. And the second Luca, one, Grano the second one is is <laughs> uh, Samuskevich from Fantilli and Duke. Right. So the exact opposite. The exact opposite. So you get the 
you get the depth scoring, and then you get the traditional scoring. Right, and the and that goal from Samuskevich is a beautiful behind the back pass from uh, Fantilli mm-hmm. uh, from behind the net, right onto the slot, and just boom. So no chance for Gibson. Nope. No. Uh, the second period was. Um, I don't even know if they played hockey, but I know in the middle of the period, the football team showed up at Yoast, and my guess is, like, Harbaugh pulls in with the buses and is like, oh, there's a game at Yoast, we should all go to the game. So he takes his 100 people, probably knocks on the door that you're not supposed to go in anymore, and when you're an event staff person and Jim Harbaugh and 100 football players are standing out there, I guess you let him in. Here's what I think happened. Okay. They took down a big lamppost, <laughs> and then... This can only end well. They had Zach Sinner and Olu at the front. <laughs> of course. And then they had Mason Graham and Mozzie in the back. Okay. And then they just battering rammed their way right through the big wood doors on the side of Yo. Like like it's twelve fifteen in England? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And then all of a sudden, like the hordes flood in, all wearing <laughs> exactly. Big Ten East Championship gear. Yeah. <laughs> and so they start to fill that like well area where the Zamboni comes in. Yep. And you know, people on Twitter, and then I'm getting texts from people saying the football team is on the ice. And I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you mean? So then, like, videos start popping up on Twitter, and at the media timeout, which takes, what, like, maybe a minute, minute and a half? Because the, the goalies will come over, like, halfway through the period, there's a media timeout. Goalies and the teams come over and skate, and yep. sometimes they talk, sometimes they just stand there because, you know, they're just resting. So they open the doors, and, like, in that in that corner and just football players start flooding on the ice and like some attempt to do like slip and slides but realize that in order to do that you have to get a push off which is hard to do on ice when you're in tennis shoes and just turns into belly flops on the ice which has to be painful have you have you ever done a belly flop in a pool yeah does it hurt it's not the best have you ever done a belly flop on a hardened pool (sighs) on purpose no okay that probably hurts more probably yeah so that happens, and then players start coming out, and then JJ comes out holding something. I didn't see what he was holding, and somehow ends up over in the crease and is hugging Eric Portillo, which, I mean, I guess they're athletes, so they probably hang out or work out together or something. I don't They've know. probably been to the Chipotle at Bar with Mall together. <laughs> As it is a prereq yeah. in order to get your Letterman jacket yep. at the University of Michigan. And so the ref is coming over and, like, waving everybody away. At the same time, Harbaugh's like, ah, everybody come out. We're all going to take a picture. So there's just chaos at Yost. And meanwhile, it's just pandemonium in the stands and everywhere. And even, like, officials end up in the box are, like, whipping out phones and everyone's taking pictures and being like, what is going on? And the only thing that would have made that better is if the hockey team itself had recognized what was going on and all left the bench and went over and like just engaged in this like mass group hug with the football team in the corner of Yost while Harvard is standing there being like, I wish we had a football team. I mean, they do. Yes, I'm aware that they do. They're just not very good. That was the joke, Alex. <laughs> I'm proud of you for figuring it out. So they eventually, you know, I they did not give Michigan an unsportsmanlike or delay of game penalty, I don't believe. They did not. They did not. Um... But the official Michigan Twitter account tweeted out, if they had, it would have been well worth it. And I can't really argue with that. So it's 2-0 after two. Um, it, Harvard gets one back. Uh, Coronado gets a shorthanded goal to make it 2-1. to one. And 
It wasn't. It wasn't particularly great. You know, we have a back check going on. Two guys from each team rushing, and uh, you know, gets uh, one guy comes down, gets a look right in point blank on Portillo, and then it kicks out for Coronado to punch in the rebound. So you don't blame Portillo for that one? No. Okay. It, it, you need to not give that chance up, especially when you're on the power play. You can give up the breakaway, but you know, having the letting the ability to have the tap in. Yeah, right? sure. It's like when you let up a break or a like a breakaway layup in basketball and he misses it and you don't get the rebound like somebody get back uh so it's 2-1 and then with probably about six or seven minutes to go michigan's kind of eh, hanging on but like it's a tight game and this is one of those games that you know could get away from you if you you know make another mistake um but rutger basically ends the game on a shot from a tough angle that hits Gibson, I think in the shoulder and the arm and like deflects up into the net. And it's, you know, you and I both saw that one and we're both just like, you know, that's, I mean, that one was basically a replay of, uh, was it the second goal that West gave up? Well, it wasn't from that short angle, was it? it or was, was it really sharp? It was a pretty obscure okay. angle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's really the only thing that Gibson did wrong all weekend that I could see. Yep. But you just didn't get the scoring that night for his team and um, gave one up and it's three to one. And then uh, I believe Casey gets the empty netter at the end and he hadn't had a goal in a little while. So um, Michigan, you know, probably the scoreline's a little flattering four to one, but um, I thought they were the better team, the better team all weekend. They get the win, they get the tie and, you know, a bunch of guys take big steps and they're starting to look really good. Um, you still had your couple of Luke Hughes uh, waffles as he somehow takes a shot on his own net yeah, just kind of loses control of it in front of that. And kind of then slams it into Portillo's pad. Yeah, which is a little, little odd. Like he's jamming in a rebound, but uh, thankfully Portillo is pad there. Um, power plays on that on Saturday were 0 for 3 for Michigan, 0 for 4 for Harvard. Nobody seemed to do anything there. And in the end, Corsi was in favor of Michigan, 74 to 63. Slight advantage, um, maybe some score effects. But uh, overall, I think a pretty good weekend. Yeah, I have no... No complaints. You would have liked to get the the win on Friday, but it, it it was fun. I think based on our preview last week, we would have been content with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, this has been a long segment, but we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, talk quickly about some Big Ten and some Wisconsin stuff. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248-924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com.
So when I'm prepping for segment two, usually the first thing that uh, I always do is look at like the our old friends, as I call them, scores, because they're not really like they're not Big Ten games, because those we're always going to kind of talk about to know what's going on. But, you know, there are teams that, you know, Michigan has played that are kind of relevant. You know, I, I always look at Western and BU. BU ended up playing Notre Dame, so we'll talk to them, talk to them, talk about them. Uh, we're not going to call the entire team, but um, in a little bit. Uh, Lindenwood was off, uh, kind of a, a fun team that we, I don't know, are they our Slippery Rock? <laughs> Has Michigan ever played Slippery Rock? In football? Yeah. I don't think so. Isn't like Slippery Rock, isn't Slippery Rock like D7 or something? Right, I, I don't know, for like 1895. Might have well, been better than some of the teams they maybe, were playing. Maybe, don't tell that to Craig Rock, <laughs> Maybe Craig played for Slippery Rock. He probably would have been, what would Craig play? Fullback? Uh, I don't know. Okay. So, Lindenwood's off. BU plays a little later. Uh, Western did play. They beat Northeastern six to four. Uh, they they were going to play in Nashville, I guess, against Northeastern. And the only reason that I kind of know that is, I mean, well, the score says that. But also, like, I remember the Avs game that I was going to watch on Friday was postponed due to a water main break, where they posted video of just water rushing through, yep. like all the pro shops. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you may want to get the merchandise off the floor. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a little, little odd. It was pouring down the street, too. Yeah, so it was played at Ford Ice Center. In Nash. Bella- Bellevue, Tennessee. Okay, so probably Let me see out- where that is. Well, we, we could ask Brian Mack, right? Yeah. Like, he lives somewhere around there? It is a suburb of? Of Nashville. Okay. I'm trying to see exactly where it is on the map here. And it's, it's pretty close to where Brimac lives. <laughs> we're just going to give away his address. And we're not giving away his address. Okay. We're saying it's a couple suburbs over. Okay. And should we give away his like phone number and social security number while we're at it too? Or just <laughs> uh, but regardless, it's a suburban community. Looks like it probably was the community ice center. Let me take a look. So how many this. fans let's, let's see, were let's there see. at this game? Not that it really matters. Ford Ice but. Center is in Bellevue. Let's take a look at this. So... Meanwhile, while you're it looking- looks like there might have been like twenty people. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is a picture of it, but there are no s- proper stands. There's like one set of bleachers, like so, smaller than a high school gym. Look at this picture. So is it? <laughs> I like how you're showing this to me <laughs> while we're recording an audio. Podcast. I mean, the, the picture here, and this is not clearly not of you know the the college, and this is sled hockey going on. But all of the people that are watching are just standing with their face pressed up against the glass because there are only there are no proper seats. So they're all Michigan football players, like right in the corner, basically. Yeah. So very few people witnessed this game. It, they, they sent out a statement. If you purchased fully priced tickets for this game, okay. we ask you to join us at Fort Ice Bellevue. Because of capacity concerns, we are unable to guarantee admission to anyone else. <laughs> so they didn't even sell that many tickets apparently apparently not not. (laughs) because western michigan and northeastern fans are not going to nashville for thanksgiving is that the takeaway unfortunately okay western does win the game which is i guess helpful for michigan in some ways um six to four we've already talked about why that they were clearly the better team they owned uh the shots and everything yeah um okay so all of uh, michigan's other friends i i've looked up lake state and I don't think they're relevant. They're they're, they're really, really bad. bad. Really they bad. actually lost to St. Thomas, I think, like four zero, which they is got swept by St. Thomas. Yeah, four zero and two to one. All right, we're we're moving on from Lake State. I think that's that's it. Right. Um, Penn State played Alaska uh, early on in the week, I think, and they won three to two and two to one. I had the first game pretty even, maybe slightly towards Penn State. Um, 
they actually are down uh, one. No, that's the second game. So they win three to two, hanging on. In game two, they're down a goal. Alaska scores first. And then maybe even outplays them a little bit. But Penn State gets a couple power play goals. And with the winner coming in the third. So they actually kind of go toe-to-toe with Alaska. Now, that's, you know, a Thanksgiving series, a non-con. It was a midweek series. Right. It was Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. It was before, yeah. It was before the break. I mean, Alaska, they're not very good, but, I mean, they took These are the Nanooks. Yes. Uh, Alaska Fairbanks. Yes. Not Alaska Anchorage. Correct. Yeah. They're a regular Alaska. Regular Alaska. They they beat Omaha in overtime earlier oh. this year. And they beat Northern, who like Northern's not a great team, but they're normally in the twenty to twenty twenty to thirty range. Do you put this more in fluky or in like oh, a data point that maybe Penn State I mean Alaska played Simon Fraser, which is their you know, their CIS exhibition. Okay. They won six nothing, which is like a perfectly normal result for okay. playing a CIS. Like I think they're probably okay. All right. So it's not a there's no alarm bells from I mean, they're, they're not good, but they're probably not, like, going to be 60th in Paraguay. Sure. So Penn State gets their two non-conference wins, um, holding true with the rest of their non-conference teams of playing teams that are probably not making the tournament. And they listen to my football schedule yeah. advice for their non-conference. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so Notre Dame goes to Boston for Thanksgiving and loses to BU 5-2 to two and kind of got beaten up in Corsi shots and the score that was a full-on BU victory but they bounce back and they beat BC five to two um Corsi is definitely in favor of BC 56 38 in that game the shots are about even but Notre Dame got the goals and BC might not be very good I think they're under 500 weren't they really bad last year They've not been as good the last few years. They're four, five, and two on the season. Yeah. They lost an exhibition to Holy Cross. Well, that's not good. No, I don't think they're very good. Yeah, I think that's maybe the takeaway. Michigan State uh, goes to Oxford, I believe. Oxford, not oh, England, but Ohio. Ohio. Yes, to play or nor Mississippi. Oh, good. Yeah, that's another nice pull. Is there? There's an Oxford, Michigan. Is it right? Yeah, there is. Okay. There's, there's so there's lot. just Oxfords there's everywhere. Oxfords. So they play not that Miami. The yeah. Red Hawks. The, what were they before? The Indians? I don't remember. I don't, that was way before you were born. Like 10 years ago. And they win 5-3 and 4-0. Uh, Dorwart gets a hat trick in game two. Mostly even games, but Michigan State gets the goals. I don't think not that Miami is very good. No, they're probably not. Uh... But still good results for Michigan State. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what you have to do. I mean, you look at their their team right now. They're getting 935 goaltending from Dylan Zanes here. That's pretty good. And... From a guy who's your height. And they're, they're, they're doing enough scoring. They don't really have one central guy that is... Uh, yeah. They've had, like, three hat tricks this year. Like, they, when you I mean, when we've gone back and looked through them, the same guys are scoring in, in the same games. Yeah, they. Which I mean, is, you look at their their numbers. Like this is their goals going down the list. Like six, seven, three, four, six, two, three, five, three, three, four, five, three, two, one. Yeah, so it's pretty even. Yep, a lot of different guys are chipping in, and you know their shooting percentage is ten point eight as a team, which is perfectly normal. So there's not a lot to suggest there. I think the goaltending is definitely the big story for them. But uh, you know, really, uh, really good season so far, and. Well, These if, next two weeks are huge because well, they get three straight games here at home, two against Minnesota and one against Michigan before they make the return trip. Yeah. And that will tell a lot about really where they're at. 
Yes, that that'll be interesting to watch. Um, Minnesota goes out to the desert. Well, one thing we do okay. have to we have to get in here. Uh, All right. Just a quick note. Uh, very unfortunate situation unfolding last week in the Big Ten. Oh, with the um, <laughs> between Michigan State and Ohio State. Um, don't know why the Big Ten <laughs> biffed that as much as they did. Besides the fact that they're the Big Ten. Well, that's uh, I was going to say. Are you expecting them to anyway? So uh, Jagger Joshua, a player for Michigan State, you may recall. His brother Dakota, who played for Ohio State, which is kind of the <laughs> there you interesting go. wrinkle in this. Yeah. Uh, now with the Vancouver Canucks, um, you know, both of them are black, and um, there was a game going on between Michigan State and Ohio State in which Camille Sedlocha for Ohio State was in the corner with Jagger Joshua, and you know they start kind of kind of going at it, and the referee got involved really quickly. And, like, yanked them apart, like, a lot faster and more aggressively than you would ever normally see. Yeah. And the referee talked to the other referees, and they determined that there was some degree of racial slurs said. And as a result, a 10-minute misconduct was given to Sedlocha, and they just got him out of there. Okay. And then nothing happened after that. And MSU waited and waited for the Big Ten to do something. And then the Big Ten was like, yeah, we're not doing anything about this. <laughs> and... You know, they basically talked to the different parties involved and uh, just were sort of like, well, it was too much of a, you know, he said versus they said uh, situation here. And then MSU kind of went forward uh, with the story. Yeah. It was like, uh, Big Ten's not doing anything. We need some help here. Yeah. And then everyone got mad. And of course, the Big Ten was like, oh, actually, that was bad. Sorry about that. And so now they <laughs> consulted with Ohio State and Camille Sedlocha, who has been uh, – I don't think the Big Ten handled this. My understanding is Ohio State then took the initiative themselves. Gene Smith and Steve Rolick decided that they are, you know, sending Camille Sedlocha home for a little while and then we'll bring him back at a later date. Uh, when we need him. <laughs> if there is some learning going on and some other things. But it was a very unfortunate thing because obviously bad in general, but also I feel like – I mean, even the NHL, I feel like, would have handled that a lot better. Because you have a referee who's on the record. And, like, what do we know about leagues? They back up their referees. Yeah. And you got a referee who handles it at the time, handles it very well. And then the league just doesn't back him up and doesn't take further action. And so, uh, just bad all around from the Big Ten. But uh, it took lots of public pressure uh, to get it right. And then we'll we'll see what happens at a later date. The one thing I'll say about this that was good... Both Ohio State and, and Michigan State fans really were very classy about this. And I thought there was, compared to what you might normally see, there was a lot of consensus that some further things needed to be taken to, to get this right. But if eventually they did after the Big Ten did everything in their power not to get it right. Well, that's that's good to hear, especially Ohio State fans, because obviously you think that Michigan State fans are going to defend their player. And I think whatever, for Ohio but... State, to some degree, there was kind of the, and again, this is the interesting part, because I, if I believe Camille Sudlocha was on the team with Jagger, or with uh, Dakota Joshua. His he brother. Yeah, like, that's bad. Um, but no, the, the Ohio State fans I saw, I think Ohio State's Barstool account um, like got involved pretty quickly. So it, it was a, a very classy moment from everyone involved, except for the folks at the Big Ten Hockey Conference. Which... <laughs> no one is surprised in this room. Yeah. Um, you know, that's funny that you bring that up about Ohio State fans. Cause like, you know, when I, I went to Columbus this weekend for the football game and like Michigan won. And so I always thought in the last couple years going off, Michigan wins in 16 or 18 or whatever. Like I wasn't like scared. Right. But you're just like, well, 
there's a good chance I get hit with something. Like maybe it's hopefully it's something sort of liquid and not like a brick. <laughs> yeah. But but actually like we left and like there were Ohio State fans congratulating us. I got a lot of fist bumps. Like that's weird, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know I had said previously that I was not going to Columbus because I was never going back there. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of things that are made out about different people overestimate their like fear and, and like sure a threat of physical harm. Or there's an incident that gets upplayed. Sure, but that's but one to two. Three I'm generally people. not someone who is pretty scared about a lot of things. Yeah, uh, in that regard. But like, I remember going to Ohio State for 2018, and I was like, this is creepy. Yeah. Like, uh, so that's kind of my memory. So then to hear everybody sort of being like, oh, they were all really nice. Like, huh. It was very unexpected. I will tell you that. Because it wasn't one or two people. It was the whole walk back. And there there must have been five or 10, 15 people, which is a lot more than you would sort of expect. So anyway, it's it's sort of relevant to what we're talking about. But you were giving props to the Ohio State fans for the way they handled this. And then like, you know, losing at home for the first time in forever to the team that they can't even speak their name, uh, you would expect to not be handled well. And it probably wasn't in some ways, but um, at least I did not get any backlash, which good on them all around for that part. So speaking of Ohio State, okay. they lost on Friday to Long Island <laughs> and then they beat and Long Island on Saturday. Do you know what else happened on Friday night? When yes, you were talking about it. Right, but our, our listeners don't. Okay, Columbia, the Blue Jackets lost, lost to also to Long the Islanders, yeah. which is a little eerie, is it not? At the same time, three to two. Yep. Is that not an omen that Michigan was going to beat them on Saturday? Now we just need USC that's omens. A, a, <laughs> you are not. I'm going to get you one of those Trojan hats to wear, and you have to wear it until they lose it's another like game. My cheese head. <laughs> so yeah, so Ohio State loses to Long Island. Um, they crush them in. Shots and Corsi. Although, you know, I think uh, Dobish gave up, what, three goals on 20 shots? So... Yeah, I mean, you look at his save percentage this year, he's at 913. Um, which is... Which is a bit of a downgrade from right. last year. So they get their split with Long Island. That's not what you want when you play Long Island. Uh, I don't know. I'm starting to wonder a little bit about their hockey team. They uh, I, I don't think they're that great, personally. Yeah, that's but, what I'm leaning towards. I think they're clearly below Minnesota and Michigan State on the totem pole in the conference right now. Um, Penn State? Or are they're going to play still... Penn State this weekend. Oh. I, I would put Penn State ahead of them at the moment, but we'll see when those two teams play. I guess when Michigan plays Wisconsin, everyone else has to play each other. So um, Minnesota will get through. They go to Arizona State, and they win 3-2. to two. They outcourse the, or they Actually, they don't. Arizona State uh, owns the Corsi advantage 49-38 in Game 1. Um, but they lose three to two, and then Arizona State beats them in overtime. The Ice Devils with a win over the Gophers, hockey Gophers, six to five in overtime. It's very back and forth. And um, you know, speaking of goalies that didn't have good nights, you know, Close only faced twenty four shots and had eighteen saves, which is not great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious about that because I actually think that Arizona State, you know, we've Everyone's talked about the arena for the Coyotes. NHL team. But yeah. I think that that college arena is going to be like a pretty tough one to play in. Because? Um, I think it's like it's a, you know, a more remote environment. 
and so you go in there and you you probably don't not bringing that too many fans with you and yeah. they have a student section there. I mean, the thing about Arizona State is it is a massive university. They have a lot of, of students. attendees. And yeah. so you can get enough people to cram in there. And what I've heard is it is pretty loud, like, mm-hmm. in there. And so I think Mullet Arena is going to be a bit of a of a tough place to play. It's also, like, it's not quite Alaska, but it's a long way to go to win the first game. Like, when Michigan used to go to Alaska all the time, you kind of thought, well, they might tie or lose that first game as a schedule loss. Then get your legs and get adjusted and all that, and then you win Saturday. But Arizona State, they did beat North Dakota, too. Hmm. And they've lost some games that are not great as well. <laughs> but, you know, any given day. Uh, the interesting thing about them, we haven't talked about Arizona State this much this year. Do you want to guess which two former NHLers? Uh, children are two of the top three scorers on Arizona Didn't State. Didn't we just do this for Harvard? <laughs> yep. Uh, is it Tangay's kid? No, one okay. is actually easy if you think about it. It's easy. Yeah. I, I do not have a name in my head. Okay. Where does Arizona State located? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And so it's in Phoenix, which would be... Is it Doan's kid? It's Doan's kid. Ha! Josh Doan is one. Okay. The other one is the son of the player who holds the record for the most teams played for in an NHL career. <laughs> this is an Alex trivia question, not a David trivia question. Um, I, I don't know who the NHL's Bonzi Wells is. The this player's brother, the other son of this player, is on the Columbus Blue Jackets and a teammate of Kent Johnson, one of their young prospects. Not open, not ringing bells. It's Mike Sillinger's other kid. Oh, okay. Cole is on the Blue Cole Jackets. Cole Sillinger, okay. And Lu- this is Lucas Sillinger. Luke, okay. Mike Cole's the record for the most teams played for. Interesting. How many is that? I think it's 12 or 13. That is many. Yeah. Derek Broussard <laughs> is the only one that oh, has yes. a chance at knocking on the door of that one right now. <laughs> He's but. old, isn't he? He's like my might be my age, which yeah. to you is old. Apparently. Well, the this is we're not quite on the uh, the uh, the NHL segment, but I saw that the Avalanche signed Galchenyuk. Yes, they he's did. He's now on like number seven at age like twenty six. They signed so him. He's got a chance before the year. Yeah, he was in, uh, and then got hurt, and they were like, yeah. get healthy and then call us." And then I don't know if he's healthy, but they're not, so they called him, or he called. One of the two. We've gone through all the Big Ten teams now, right? Or did we get Wisconsin yet? We didn't get Wisconsin. They didn't play. Okay. So that is the end up. Uh, that is the end of Minnesota. Are you at all? I mean, close is just what he is, and he's going to have these games. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Okay. He's at nine ten, which is definitely more what I was kind of thinking. I mean, they've gotten as a team nine oh one goaltending between him and uh, Bartoskevich. Yeah, that's uh, that's not great. No, but if your the rest of your team is good enough. You could drag it, that along. This is what we thought. It's a wide open conference, yep. and uh, it's going to be interesting down the stretch so, here. So, Wisconsin preview, um, <laughs> as you <laughs> laugh, well, sorry, like, this is our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably tell the people. Says like, Badgers uh, or mushrooms, right? That's the whole like thing. Like FFFFing, like Hawaii or whatever. <laughs> well, do our due diligence. Four, Except for the fact they can beat Duluth. You're right. 4-8-1. Oh, I'm sorry. 5-8-1. They're 0-6 in the Big Ten, 29th in pairwise, which is odd because they haven't been good, but they're still in the top half, probably because of their schedule. They're 17th in Corsi, which is actually not too bad either. Uh, 17% of the power play, not great, but not awful. And 87% penalty kill, which is good. Ten drafted skaters, two in the top three rounds. They had a first rounder. Uh, yeah, Cole... This isn't helping. What? <laughs> Saying that about them, that they have ten drafted skaters. Well, they do. Well, I know, but that's bad. When you consider when you, <laughs> the rest of the team. Well, we've you've kind of said all along that 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a mess situation. That the coaching is... The one thing they have this year is they do have goaltending. Well, and that's, you know, next on the list. Jared Moe has been had a pretty nice year, 9-1-7 save percentage. And his GA is two seven five, which is fine. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And their their course is positive, right? Uh, yeah. Seven. Yeah. Well, seventy percent. Four hundred eighty eight shots for and four thirty shots. The the problem is, like is they don't score. They have two players that are scoring over point seven five points per game, and I don't think any of them are near or at a point per game. Do you want to guess what their team shooting percentage is? Uh, four. Six point six. Uh, I was cl- not good. Close. No. Last that year, was what you thought might be a reversion to the mean. That was their problem last year too. So maybe well, one of their problems. Maybe they were six point four last year. So nothing has so changed. So it's improved. <laughs> These guys what you're still cannot shoot. So maybe the maybe the takeaway is that they can't shoot. Like I know that's funny, but maybe that's they're they're okay hockey players that can't shoot. Maybe, maybe they're all drafted I because they hit. I don't know. So guys to watch in this team. Corson Kulamans. He's the first round pick, he's right? The first rounder. Charlie Strammel is projected in the first round of the next oh, okay. upcoming draft. So they kind of have two. They have, yeah, but Strammel's kind of, he's like, um, remember when uh, Holloway played like the first year there yeah. and he wasn't very good and then he took off the next year? Yeah. I think that's kind of Strammel's trajectory. Okay. Um, they still have the older Caulfield. Um, Brock? Yep. Yeah. Cruz Lucius, the Lucius brother. He's their guy that's scoring. Yeah, he has six goals. Yeah. He's their only guy with more than four. <laughs> Oof. I mean, this... Him wh- and Caulfield are the only two with more than three. Yikes. So, they have, like you said, five or... Maybe they have... They must have six wins. I must have written this down wrong. They have two wins at Duluth, and then they beat Lindenwood and Long Island twice. And I think that's it. And... And they lost their exhibition to Lakehead. Yeah. Um. Basically... Michigan needs to win both these games. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that, I don't know, it's tough to find ways that, like, I mean, especially the way that Michigan played this past weekend. They're coming off that rough series where they're getting their skaters back. It, they looked really good for, you know, five periods against against Harvard, who I think we think is a good team. They're not probably a top five team, but they're probably a two or three seed at some point. Ohio State well outshot Wisconsin when they played. Yeah. Penn State well outshot them. MSU, one game was tied, and one game Wisconsin will outshot them, and things just went horribly wrong. I mean, the thing that you worry about is, like, the stupid randomness of the sport where everything goes in on the same night for them. They've played six Big Ten games, and they've scored six goals. (laughs) 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 All right. Michigan has to win both these games. Like, they've dropped enough points already that if they want to get any chance back into this Big Ten race, two wins, and then we deal with Michigan State the week after. Yep. Okay. Um... This has been a long podcast. Do you want to quickly get into NHL stuff, or do we want to punt that? Uh, I, people like it. so People like it. So, okay. Vegas, still good. Well, we hit the magical American Thanksgiving. Uh, Quarter yes. post. Yep. To make the ra- horse racing analogy. I believe the stat is 73% of the teams that are in the playoffs on American Thanksgiving end up making it. Um, okay. So, that's quite a few. And we have a feel for which teams are in trouble. Well, ESPN just posted their grades for every team today. Okay. For all of the teams in relative expectation. But, yes. I mean, I think at this point in time, we can say that Columbus, Philadelphia, Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago, Arizona, probably Ottawa and Buffalo, but we can talk about that. Those teams are in trouble. Yeah. And so they're kind of out at this point. Ottawa, is that surprising you? So Ottawa has a minus five goal differential, so it, it 
that's not as bad as the 8-12-1 record would suggest, but it's actually not too far off. Um, it's going to be slightly below 500, but you that's... Know, the story with them is that their guys that were kind of expected to be good have been good, but the problem is the rest of the team is still bad. Well, and they and, lost Norris. And they lost Norris. And, and that, he was there, yep. what, 2C? Yep. So that's hard. I think you can toss in... Uh, Montreal as well. They are a, a bit above 500. They were not in the playoff picture on the Thanksgiving Cup day, but they are 11, 9, and 1, which is better than people expected. But the minus 8 goal differential does not seem like, you know, it, it, it suggests regression. So I think they're probably not going to make it. Okay. Uh, the other team we can talk about in the East, Washington. 9, 11, and 3 with a minus 12 goal differential. Well, Is what, this it for the Caps? I mean, at some point they were going to hit a wall. They've had a lot of injuries. Yeah. And that's, I think, their saving grace is that maybe they can get some guys back and they can get going. I think the bad sign is that as a whole for the season, they've gotten pretty good goaltending. Well, they got Kemper, and I think he's had a solid year. And let me pull up his, his numbers. As of a few days ago, they were still going, he's a 914. And yeah. Lindgren, not as good. I mean, as a team, 908, but that's like league average, basically. League average is right around that. Is that Ovechkin part. still scoring? He's slowed down a bit, but he's still got 11 goals. The problem is there's just not a lot of other goal scorers. The number two goal scorer is Connor Sheary with seven. And Well, I mean, they have they still have Oshie? Uh, he missed some time. Okay. He has three goals in 12 and games. And Backstrom? He's hurt. Well, so there you go. I mean, these are their players. But he's going to be hurt for a while. And okay. that was like kind of the problem of why they had to bring in Dylan Strom. And like maybe when they get... How is he done? Uh, okay. Okay. I mean, he's their number two scorer. So he's he's done okay. Um you know, they're hoping to get Tom Wilson back, and then maybe it kind of gets going at some point, but they're in trouble. Uh, yeah. Well, the other thing is the East is good. The East is good. The East is deep. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh, Rangers, Carolina, Islanders, Jersey, those are all in their division. Well, the Islanders and Devils are somehow two of the best teams in hockey now. Well, the Islanders have very, 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 very good goaltending as yep. a general rule. And the Devils, I mean, they're in their own category. Yeah. I mean, you look at the analytics underpinning their 13-game win streak. It's probably the best 13-game win streak of the cap era, the analytics era. I mean, their expected goals are mind-blowing. Well, and now their expected points for the season is they're on a— Yeah, like they're, a they're just blistering beating base. the brakes off teams. Yeah. So you think that'll come down to earth. But if them and the Islanders keep it up, right, then there's just not that many playoff spots left for right. that division let, you know, alone. I mean, Carolina is kind of sputtering a little bit, but they're still— They're going to make the playoffs. Look, but they're still t- six points ahead of Washington with a game in hand. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem. Um, the team that might be floundering a bit is the Rangers, right? Yeah, I could see a scenario where the Rangers miss the playoffs. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you could have Pittsburgh, Carolina, Islanders, Jersey, and then the four from last year in the Atlantic. Boom. Just like that. Rangers aren't in it anymore. The Atlantic is, well, I mean, I don't know what you think about Detroit, but it seems like it's probably going to be the teams that made it last year. Probably. The the Panthers are scuffling a bit, but they still have so much talent. I mean, with the the Red Wings are about to enter a two-week stretch here. We're going to learn a lot because they've had a very, very favorable schedule. They did the California trip where— They did fine, didn't they? Right, but those teams are all really bad. <laughs> like that's that's good, right? And yeah. then they played Arizona this past week, yeah. and they've pl- they've played a lot of teams that are pretty favorable. And now they're gonna 
start to play more in, within the division. They play the Leafs tonight as of this taping. Uh, Maybe like even right now. Yeah, and then uh, then they'll play, I think, Boston in coming days and Florida and Tampa, and then that's when we'll kind of get to learn what's going on there. The the expected goal numbers at 5-on-5 five five would suggest there's hard regression coming, but they've been great at special teams. So maybe that evens out, and they've gotten really good goaltending from Huso. So so we'll see. Yeah. But it's it's tough for me to see a way that the four from last year from the Atlantic don't make it, and if one who doesn't, doesn't it seems pretty clear it's gonna it would be Florida at this point in time? Yeah, well, it's not gonna be Boston. Well, they're eighteen and three. Yeah, and Toronto can't be much behind them. Uh, yeah, they're thirteen five and five. There's five points back. Right, which is good, relatively close. Yep. And then Tampa has Tampa also started to play better really in, in recent days. So. so those and those three teams have too much talent and too much pedigree yep. that it would take an utter collapse. And Florida has a lot of talent, but Florida, to be fair, I mean, they've gotten good goaltending from Knight, but Bobrovsky hasn't been as good. <laughs> and their defense is actually kind of bad. So that, you well, know, that was, is a team where, great I, last year. where I can find some more, some, some holes. Yeah. The West, I have no idea who's going to make the playoffs. I mean, I looked at this on the day of the cut day, and I have no idea whatsoever. Well, in the Pacific... It's. I mean, Vegas is going to make the playoffs. Vegas is going to make the playoffs. Colorado is going to make the playoffs. Dallas probably will make the playoffs. Yeah, Dallas. After that, <laughs> you could fill it out. I mean, I think in the in the in the Central, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Minnesota, Nashville. I could see any of those teams getting it together. Winnipeg's been pretty good so far this year, and Hellebuck has been good. Right. It's all about Hellebuck, and if he keeps them going. Well, I mean, part of their problem was like that their forwards didn't play defense and then well bonus has them trapping a lot more their forwards also hated each other slowing each other you know slowing it down and all that kind of stuff i think it helps the pacific similar story i mean between seattle la edmonton calgary even vancouver is not that far back they're one point back of edmonton and they're tied with calgary calgary has a game in hand on them these are they're really not that (laughs) they're not out of it so vegas is probably the biggest storyline maybe in the nhl but definitely in the west but then after that, part of it is, you know, Calgary gets off to that hot start, and everyone is like, all of a sudden, this is McDavid's year. But the Oilers are still the Oilers. You have McDavid and Dreisaitl that are putting up great numbers. I mean, McDavid's putting up unprecedented numbers, even for him. And then the defense is facing the wrong direction. And their goaltending, they had to bench Campbell, and then he got hit in the face with, like, a, a, a puck when he was on the bench. I mean... Yeah, Stuart Skinner has been good. He has a 921 through 10 games... Problem is, Jack Campbell has an 875 through 12 games. Do you wish the Leafs had signed him to a five-year extension? No. <laughs> that, yeah. It's <laughs> it's rough. So, why, I mean, is it is it narrative? Is it just like, you can't keep McDavid down forever? Like, Edmonton isn't good. They have two really good players that pull them along, but, I mean... In this conference, they can probably find a way to score enough to get into the playoffs. That's right. what I'll say. But are they going to beat a good team? No. I mean, obviously it's hockey, but are they going to beat two good We've teams? We've seen bad teams win three runs. rounds. Yeah. Like it, it happens. But okay, so Edmonton winning the cup? No, I don't think so. I mean, the team I I am starting to really buy stock in is what? our old friend Matty Beniers and <laughs> the Seattle Kraken. I know, right? Like I think they might be legit, and they're and Grubauer's what been hurt, and his goaltending numbers have been still. Money Puck has them seventh in expected goals percentage at five on five, fifty three point four nine percent, and their goal differential is good. And they have even gotten good goaltending. They're yeah. below league average 
because they're <laughs> Martin Jones is starting consistently for them. And yet they're 13-5-3, and three, and they're scoring. They have 75 goals scored this season, which is, you know, pretty good. Yeah. And that was their problem last year. You know, well, the they went out and got a couple The goaltending was bad, but the offense was also atrocious. And they went <laughs> out and they they signed some players. They yeah. drafted some players. Yeah. I mean, the only thing with Seattle that's frustrating right now is the Shane Wright situation, which hopefully that gets resolved. But um, Which is? Well, he's not playing. Because? He's on their team, but they're putting in the press box every night. Because? He's not good enough to be on the team, and they didn't want to send him back to Kingston because Kingston's bad. So they told Kingston, you have to trade him from your terrible team or else we're not giving him back to you. And there was a standoff going on, and hopefully it will be... Do you think that he should be playing? I don't know. I, I haven't... No one's really seen him. Like, he's played a few games, but he played like four minutes and 53 seconds in those <laughs> games. Like, that's the whole point. And this is why it's been such a big storyline, is that he just is not playing at all. And you can't draft a guy and then not have him play hockey anywhere. Yeah, he has to play somewhere. He has to play somewhere. they got to figure this out. Send him to a high school race. They sent him down to the AHL, but he can't be in the AHL forever because of the AHL-CHL rules. And so then he has to go somewhere else. Uh, Because right now he's on a conditioning stint. But then... (laughs) Did you just use air quotes? (laughs) But once the conditioning stint is over, then he'll have to go somewhere else. And that... That'll be interesting. But so Seattle's ceiling is second in the Pacific? Yeah, I think they could be second. They're in second so, in the right now. So we talked about Edmonton because they're a big storyline. Calgary makes a bunch of moves. They deal their two big – well, one leaves in free agency. They deal their other one, get a pretty good return from Florida. Then they sign Kadri. They've had a goalie and some defense. They have a coach that knows how to coach defense, get a really hot start, and then just stop putting the puck in the net. Uh, they're not scoring a ton, but also they're getting very bad goaltending, 894. And Markstrom, That's who was good. a Vesna candidate last year, is at an 889. And he's one of those guys that can be kind of variable from year to year. I mean, think about the year before last year, he was bad. Hmm. So it might just be bad, then good, then bad again. I don't know exactly what's going on. That's how it there, works. But, I mean, the West is a mess. It's yeah. a mess. I don't know which of these I mean, teams they, not, is going to get it together. We might not know until the very end of the season well, which of these teams will be in the And playoffs. the other thing that's going to that's interesting is in the in the West. I mean, in the East you could argue the same sorts of things. It's just that it's more going to I think be for seeding there, but like if somebody makes a really good trade in the West, one of these teams, and all of a sudden, like at the deadline, they get this injection of a player who just yeah. fits perfectly. Yeah. You could take another step. Yep. So, and the Avs, like, just what, can't stay healthy because everybody gets hurt on a different night. And that happens every year. So, um, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, Landis goes out and, and the Avs are 25 and... points in 19 games and plus 21 goal differential. Right. They're still the team to beat in the West, no right. matter what. So, right. You just, they're just also icing the Eagles. Yep. On like half their games. But they're getting good goaltending. I mean, that was that was kind of one of the... Well, you know who else is getting good goaltending? Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> After all the consternation of the offseason, of all the I issues... knew you couldn't let me talk about the abs for no, very I, long. No, I, that's the point, right? We went into the season saying, well, these two, you know, contenders yeah. have major questions in that, right? Yeah. You, know, Matt, you know, resurrected Matt Murray and Samsonov versus, you know, Gorgiev and Francois. And it's like, well, those two teams, that has not been the issue no. at all. So... Well, neither one has had many issues but no but i mean if you had told me that you know it'd be like oh well this is where these teams would be neither would be technically first in their division at this stage but they both get 
quite good goaltending. It's like, oh wow, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, but that's well, the, how the reason the Leafs are with, you. the reason the Leafs aren't in first is because the Bruins have just decided they will never lose. Yeah, well, also the Leafs decided to not score for a while <laughs> and then a lot of issues. So, but that's what makes them fun to fun to follow, right? That's why everybody is well. In last Ontario week they played, last shows. week they play the Devils, and uh, what did it end with? Uh, Lots of have you have you ever seen as many beer like, cans <laughs> on the ice? Was it the last game at Nassau Coliseum? They will think the Leafs will never fail to be interesting. <laughs> um, have you ever seen that many goals waved off in your life? It was it was that was quite a game. <laughs> we got to watch that because that was uh, well, we were watching basketball that night. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. They had three goals. Devils did get disallowed. And two the entire state of Jersey was thrown all onto for the goaltender interference, technically speaking. Well, yeah. no, two were goaltender. One was a kick. One was a kick. Yeah, that it was a weird, obscure rule in a kick that you and I both weren't sure. I was all had to over go. it. I didn't know the rule myself, but I said he kicks that and it goes Correct. in. It doesn't matter if it goes in off four guys. He kicks it towards the net and then it goes in. And so, if, if you add our podcast to the Sunday podcast, do you think this is the most? talking in two podcasts that we're going to get. I've done too much talking the last two days. <laughs> do you, you have a word count in life uh, per week? No. Okay. Well, if we've reached the end, then you guys should go listen to something else, and we will talk to you again next week. Michigan Hockey Cast 5.9 for Alex Strain and David Nasternak. Come back next week where we will be looking at whether Wisconsin scored more than two goals this weekend. Maybe three. Three.